0: Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, we'll be in chapter 11, reading verses 5 through 10. Jesus also said to them, imagine that one of you has a friend, and you go to that friend in the middle of the night, and imagine saying to that friend, friend, loan me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And imagine further that he answers from within the house, don't bother me, The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't give up anything for you. I assure you, even if he wouldn't get up and help because of his friendship, he will get up and give his friend whatever he needs because of his friend's brashness. And I tell you, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be answered to you. Everyone who asks receives, whoever seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door is opened. Word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Well, Marvin, it sounds like Donna and Joe have the same role in the family. (laughs) You know, we're headed down, I'm headed down after this service to go to the river property, and by that time, Joe will have pulled the kids on the boat, done a cannonball into the river with the grandson, and there'll probably be dishes waiting for me.
0: <laughs>
1: so we kind of have that same, same role. I, I love that part. Um, on a more serious note, I, I would like to lift uh, the families and the community of Odessa, I have a friend, his name's Todd Salsweedle, he is a pastor in Odessa, he's a part of my covenant group, I've talked about that covenant group over many years, and uh, last night I got word that Todd was in the ER with victims from his congregation um, and the community, and he was asking for our prayers, and so I texted him this morning, I said you know, Todd, I'm praying for you this morning as you are going to give this message to a community that is hurting so deeply, and I pray that you can be some light and your congregation can be some light in the darkness. And so we keep the, the community of Odessa in our prayers along with so many other communities in our nation who have gone through this same experience and And Pastor Tim said something at the 930 service that I thought was so profound. He said that we're seeing this more and more and more in our communities because people have lost hope, and they don't know the love of Christ, and so how more important is that for us to be able to be that light in the darkness, to share hope with people who do not have it? Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we we pray for those communities in such deep pain this morning. We pray for the victims' families, for those who have been injured, for those who are trying to convey love and comfort. We lift all of them to you. Help them to be your light, oh God. This morning I pray that you would help me get out of the way that your light would shine through me, that you would touch my mind and my heart in the way that you would convey your message. And so, oh God, I pray that the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart might be acceptable in your sight. My blessed Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, amen. Well, we're beginning a new sermon series today. I know you were disappointed not to find popcorn in the narthex this morning for the latest and greatest movie, but we still have those donuts, and I saw a lot of smiles about those this morning. We're starting a new sermon series on being brave and what that means in our Christian context, being brave in our faith. Now, when I say the word brave, certain images come to mind. Some of us think of our military and how they stand on those front lines of of war, and how they have had to be brave in order to provide freedom for us, freedom so that we could be in this worship space, free to worship God in the way that we worship. And for those today who do not have clear military front lines any longer, how they have to live bravely each and every day, not knowing what is ahead. Some of us have images of our police officers and firefighters who enter those dangerous places at the call of 911. They're there to bring hope and and safety, and so we think of that. Bravery instills images of those first Christian martyrs. I've told you the story of Perpetua before and how she um, gave birth to her baby in a jail cell under the Roman Colosseum. And then handed that child over to her family to raise as she stood in faith and said, I am a Christian and was martyred in the Roman Colosseum. Some of us think of those early settlers, those ones that had to cross the unknown, the the mountains and the rivers, how much courage it took to take a wagon train into unknown territory. And yet, some of us think of people in our own lives. People that we meet on a daily basis, maybe people who are relatives or neighbors or coworkers, and some image comes to mind when I ask you, who is the bravest person you know? Or who do you think is the person that exemplifies bravery to you, an image or a person? will come into your mind. Bravery takes on many forms, doesn't it, church? What does it mean to be brave? Nelson Mandela once said this, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Thomas Paine, known for, writing, for the writing that helped begin the American Revolution, said this, The real man smiles in trouble, gathers strength from distress, and grows brave by reflection. Now, when I googled bravery, you can imagine what came up. All kinds of quotes and images, and most of them were about standing in the face of adversity, it takes bravery to stand in that difficulty and we and we know that. But what if in our Christian context what if being brave is really about being vulnerable enough to ask for help? What if bravery looks like that? Jesus tells a parable in order to make this very point. Pastor Sean read it to you just a moment ago. The disciples have just asked Jesus how to pray. This comes right after the Lord's Prayer, after he teaches them to say, Our Father who art in heaven. This part comes next, and it, he tells a story to make his point. Now, as we said last week, stories help connect, don't they? they um, he uses these stories to teach in a way that they would remember. So, But this story sounds a little odd to us, and and that's because we don't understand the context of the story. Uh, It's hard for us to stand in the shoes of someone back in biblical times when we stand in our shoes today and and there's so many conveniences in front of us. You see, there were no grocery stores, no 24-hour convenience stores for this man to get up and just go get three loaves of bread. And there were no text messages, no emails or phone lines to let that household know that the visitor was on their way. So it was very common for a visitor to just show up at the door. How would you feel about that? Right? They just show up at the door and this visitor comes in the middle of the night. And so I thought it might help if I wrote a parable maybe in today's culture, taking Jesus' teaching so Hear this one, a friend of yours calls late and says that their connecting flight from Lambert has been canceled and they need a place to stay for the night. So you say, of course, grab an Uber and come on over. I'll leave the light on for you. I'll make sure that I'm there for the door to be unlocked when you arrive. Now, you did not make it to the grocery store that day, and you needed to. Everything is gone. You don't have anything in the household for this visitor um, to eat in the morning. And so you look, and there's no coffee. There's no milk. There's no juice. There's not even a Dr. Pepper to offer them in the morning. So you need to stay at the house to make sure to welcome your friends. So you look at your watch, and it's 10 p.m., Culture says no calls after 10 p.m., right? You look at your watch and you think, "Oh, it's 10 p.m., it's too late to call my neighbor to ask if I can borrow some coffee or some kind of juice or something like that. So, but you decide that the need is greater, so you go ahead and you pick up the phone and you call that neighbor. They do not answer. Hmm. So you walk on over to the neighbor's house and you knock on the door. Still no answer. So you keep knocking on the door until your neighbor opens the door with that sleepy look in their eye with a question but goes ahead and offers what they have because they recognize the need. That make more sense to you? Well... The usual interpretation of this parable is that we must be persistent in our praying, that we must keep pounding on the door of God until he answers our prayer. But prayer isn't based on friendship, and prayer isn't based on neighborliness. Prayer is based on a deeper relationship. The neighbor isn't compared to God, our Father. The neighbor is contrasted to the loving father. It is, if a weary neighbor who is asleep will ultimately get out of bed and meet his friend's need, how much more will a loving father meet the needs of his children? If a neighbor will eventually and reluctantly answer a call for help, won't, God's most, won't God most willingly hear our prayers? God knows our need even before we do, right church? So, God wants to bring light and love in the midst of a difficulty. God loves us and persistently pursues us. So why in the world would we hesitate to ask? See, the problem I think goes back to our image of God. How do we Understand God's love. And how do we understand that mystery of prayer? Do we view God as a vending machine God? I'll put my prayer in the slot and receive what I'm asking for down out of the bin? No. Sometimes I do believe, though, that we kind of get into that, Mo, God, I need, so therefore provide prayer is not about that prayer is deeper than that you see this is why prayer is so wonderful why I love the mystery of prayer the reason why we ought to pray is not because God will give us what we want but he will always give what he wants for us he will give us what we really need that's why Jesus goes on in this parable to teach, and he says in verse 11, beginning with verse 11, which father among you would give a snake to your child if the child asked for a fish? If a child asks for an egg, what father would give the child a scorpion? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Notice he he says to give the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say that I'm going to magically give you what you want. He says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, I know you've experienced those unanswered prayers in your own faith walk. Right? Anybody here had some unanswered prayers in your life? I think we all have. We've prayed hard for something to happen. We've prayed, that, prayed for what we thought we needed or what we wanted, and the prayer was not answered. But then we look back, and we realize that the prayer really was answered, maybe just not in the way we'd hoped for maybe not in the way we thought it would be answered and God gave us what was best for us sometimes church the answer is no and that's what's best for us you might remember country singer Garth Brooks wrote a song long, long ago entitled Unanswered Prayers any Garth Brooks fans in here okay good Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers, he sang. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, that's just because he doesn't answer, doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Anybody ever experienced that? You look back and you think, thank you, Jesus, you didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> thank you. Because if you had answered that prayer, this is where I'd be right now, right? You can look back and you can see that. And so for those of us who wrestle and walk in faith, the unanswered prayers are not really the issue or the problem. We kind of understand those unanswered prayers from that perspective. The real problem is the unasked prayers. The unasked prayers. James chapter 4 verse 2 says, You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Asking for help is something I think we struggle with, or am I the only one who struggles with that? Asking for help. Maybe that's because asking deals with dependence. You know, I had a whole lot of trouble asking for that sabbatical. I know I needed it. And thank you, church, for letting me have that. But it was really a struggle within me to ask for that help to ask for the congregation to help me in having some time off. And and I think it deals with our dependence. We we struggle with asking because in both trusting of the information, will they think I'm ill? Will they think that I'm having a nervous breakdown? What what you know, what will the congregation think? So the trusting of the information and the fear of looking needy. The pastor is supposed to help you all, right? not supposed to help the pastor but but see there was that fear of being needy and I think that goes for all of society we, we worry about this we, we fear in the trusting of the information and the fear of looking needy because we think we can do it all on our own anybody here kind of struggled with that yeah God didn't put us in community to think that we can do it all on our own church so our pride gets in the way it gets in the way of humbling ourselves and getting on our knees before the Father. Our pride gets in the way of humbling ourselves and asking for help from another person. Margie Worrell stated in a Forbes magazine, a business magazine, she said this with regards of asking help from someone in the business world was something that they were going through. She says, as with so many things that would serve us and others, our fear is what gets in the way. Fear of overstepping a friendship, fear of appearing too needy, fear of imposing, fear of revealing our struggle and having people realize we don't have it all together. But here's the thing, when you don't ask for help when you need it, you assume all of a burden that might easily and gladly be shared but you also deprive those who'd love to assist you for the, and the opportunity to do so. I have heard over and over again from this congregation that they loved and supported me through that sabbatical. You loved to assist me in that. And so there was this connection and this relationship that was formed in all of that. So, and that's what prayer is about. It's about connection and relationship with a heavenly Father who loves us so dearly and pursues us. Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Ask from your heart. Open up and ask God. Get on your knees and ask God and say, This is what I need, God, or this is what I'm dealing with. And God may not answer in the exact way that you want it answered, but you will find God because it says seek and you will find him. Seek God's face and God will reveal God's self to you. Brene Brown, she talks about this in the experience of light and darkness. And I do believe that when we seek God, God brings that light into our darkness. And she said, much of the beauty of light owes its existence to the dark. The most powerful moments of our lives happen when we string together the small flickers of light created by courage, compassion, and connection, and see them shine in the darkness of our struggles. How many times have you connected to another person in the community of faith and you've seen this little glimpse of light from God? You've been able to experience God's love and God's grace in some form. And we can string those together and we can see God at work. God at work in the journey. These connections. These connections with God, these connections with each other. They last much longer than any favor we can ask or do. And that's the point, really. Asking for help, getting help, offering help, and giving it when it's needed are all ways that we connect and all ways that we stay connected to each other as human beings as all of us are children of God. They are ways we can be Christ's light in the darkness. As I said I texted Todd this morning and he texted back this morning saying thank you for your prayers. Thank you for the prayers for the people of Odessa and yes it was a long night in the ER. That connection, that connection to this congregation, to a congregation in Odessa Texas brings light in the midst of darkness. See, we're called to reach out, to seek God's face and seek God's community and make those connections because those connections are precious, church. They're precious. And it's worth a lot more than any pride that we might hold on to thinking that we can do it all ourselves. Knock, and that door's going to be open to you. Prayer isn't bothering God. Prayer isn't bargaining with God. It's not borrowing from God or burdening God. True prayer is that connection. And the blessing that comes from a loving Father who loves us more than we could ever imagine or hope for. Because we love Him, we trust Him, and we know He hears us when we pray. That's that connection. So, church, be brave be brave. Ask for things with boldness, ask for things with fervor and honesty and integrity and diligence, yet ask with submission, knowing that your will might not be God's will, that the answer might be no, the answer might be wait. And the answer might be, let me just show you how big your blessing can be.